morning um, excuse me, starts in 2 Kings, chapter 23, verses 1 to 3, and it is on page 340 in the Pew Bible. Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah in Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in that covenant. And also from the first letter of Peter, starting on page 218 in the back of the Bible. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you form, formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. This is the, this is the story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Those two scripture passages are ones that lift up the idea of this Sunday as Covenant Sunday. This is what 
Pastor Joel Gilmet used to call an embarrassment of riches. There are so many wonderful things to be celebrating on this Sunday. Epiphany, we could be celebrating Watch Night, the last Sunday of Christmas, and this Covenant Sunday. Covenants are important. Covenant was what God came and promised to Abraham. He promised Abraham that he would have land and his progeny would be many. And it was a special kind of covenant. It was a kind of covenant called in Hebrew a suzerain covenant, sort of a one-sided deal. God was doing the, all the promising. Abraham didn't have to promise anything in return. It's different than the kinds of covenants we have nowadays, the kinds of covenants we make when we purchase a car or a home and we promise that if I don't pay you the money that you're giving me, you can take my car or my house. That's a parody covenant. But the covenants that God makes are suzerain covenants. God does all the work, both with Abraham and the covenant through Jesus. God does all the work. That doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to respond, to respond to that covenant that God has made by by loving each other, even as God has loved us. And it's a wonderful opportunity we have. When I was looking at creating a sermon series for the beginning of this year, it seemed very appropriate to do one about resolutions. So many times we, we hear, new year, new you. And I don't think that there needs to be a replacement you, a new you that is different completely than the you that has been. Because God created you. God loves you. But God does give us opportunities to grow. And we are called to be a people of transformation, a people of repentance, a people of forgiveness. And so those are the kinds of changes that we can express throughout our resolutions. Changes that come with our intention. Our intention to do something a little differently in a given year. You know, when I thought about change, that song came to me from the Broadway musical Wicked. Do any of you know that? It's that, that wonderful song that's sung between those two sisters, the Wicked Witch and Glinda the Good Witch, right? For I've been changed. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? Because I knew you. Because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Right? For good. Because I knew you. And that is what is so important. When, when Gail just read just now from 1 Peter, I was listening so carefully to those words where, where 1 Peter was explaining that the focus needs to be on Christ Jesus and all that Jesus has done all that Jesus has done so that we can express ourselves in relationship to God and to each other and be changed for the better because we know Jesus Christ and because we have this opportunity to be in relationship with each other. So the kinds of resolutions that we can make can be those ones that are very important to our physical bodies, which often they are, trying to lose some weight, trying to quit smoking, try to be a little more organized. But it's always the intention behind those that's the place of spiritual intention, the place of a spiritual resolution. 
A friend of mine wrote a couple of wonderful things that he is resolving in this coming year. He said his resolve is to practice gratitude, to say thank you on a daily basis, to communicate with friends who nurture his soul, to give thanks to God for the gifts of love and hope and grace and peace and creation, to practice civility. That's something we really need in this world, isn't it? To not give in to that first impulse, but to respond to anger with kindness, to offer love to those who hate, to engage in open conversations with those with whom we disagree, to listen before we leap down another's throat with self-righteous words, to practice justice, to listen to those whose voices have been silenced and to learn from their lives, to stand up to the bullies, especially political ones who try to impose their wills on others, to make sure the most vulnerable are given the same level playing field as the most entitled, to remember that our privileged lives are not more valuable than the most broken lives. And finally, to practice following Jesus, brother to the poor, healer of the broken, open heart to the forgotten, listener to the voiceless, learner from those who are different, lover of every single one of God's children, bearer of grace, conqueror of death, sharer of resurrection hope. And you know, that bears repeating. So let's make that one our fifth one as well, to follow practicing, to practice following Jesus, to practice following Jesus, no matter how often we fail. So some resolutions to give us something to think about. This idea of promise is one that is held within covenant. We covenant in many ways in our lives, sometimes in a very formal way, like a marriage, where we promise to be with one person for the rest of our lives. Sometimes we make a promise about joining a church. In, in our particular United Methodist polity, what we promise to is to support the church with our presence by being here, with our prayers, by praying for one another and for the church and for the denomination, to promise also that we will have our gifts, support the church with our gifts, and our witness, and our service. And so many of us do that in so many beautiful ways, and I hope that we can continue to celebrate that and lift those things up throughout the time. Sometimes it's good to celebrate simplicity and why not begin again this year by ridding ourselves of whatever is getting in the way, identifying what is essential and letting go of too much. Resolve to seek God and God's kingdom above all else and examine every commitment, every relationship, every possession, every task in the light of this one focus, seeking God and God's kingdom above all else. That can be what our spiritual intention is in this coming year. I wanted to share with you an affirmation of faith that was created on Christmas Eve by some Sunday school students down in Nashville at a church called West End United Methodist Class. 
They've, it was classes of first, second, third, fourth, and fifth grades, as well as the confirmation class. This is the way they rewrote our creed. We believe God, our creator, saves us, shepherds us, loves us, invites us to love, and lives within us all. We believe Jesus is God's son who teaches us, leads us with kindness, and sacrificed himself for us. We believe Jesus came to live on earth to save our lives and to spread the joyful news of God and God's spirit. This one's my favorite. We believe being part of the church means friends, choir, the Lord's Prayer, and fun crafts in Sunday school. We believe we should always speak and act kindly to everyone because God said so. So those kids in Nashville, I think they've got it. I think they've got it. So when we come to this time of New Year's, of creating New Year's resolutions, of focusing our intention on something to transform ourselves, I hope that we will also use our attention focused on God and what God is doing for us, Christ Jesus and the covenant that has been made with us, the promise that God is keeping every day. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. Now I mentioned that this is Covenant Sunday, and so I'm going to lead us through a time of reaffirming our Wesleyan covenant. And when it is your turn, the words for our covenant will be uh, portrayed here on the um, screens. Let us gathered here before the Lord, now in covenant, commit ourselves to Christ as his servants. Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ has left us with many services to be done. Some of these services are easy and honorable, but some are difficult. Some line up with our desires and interests. Others are contrary to what we think. In some, we please both Christ and ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Jesus Christ, we offer you this prayer. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and strength to live as true servants is given to us in Christ. We accept the place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone is our reward. I am not my own, but thine. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. Christ is Savior to those who are his true servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. To be his servant is to consent fully to his will. Christ accepts nothing less. 
Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Now confirm this truth in holy covenant. Make it a reality in your life in these ways. First, set apart time in your day more than once to be spent alone with the Lord. Seek to perceive God's special care for you and gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through the words of this covenant and its conditions. Examine your heart, even if you have freely given your life to Christ. Name the sins in your life. Reflect on whether you are willing to choose Christ's holy laws and strict commands. Be sure you are clear in all of these so you do not lie to yourself. Second, uphold a serious spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Do not trust in your own strength and power, but rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. In this way, he will empower you to keep your promise. Fourth, be determined and faithful. You have given your heart and life to God. You have opened your mouth to dedicate yourself to the Lord. With God's power, never go back to your former way of living. And last, be prepared to renew your covenant with God. Fall on your knees, lift your hands, open your hearts. It's best when we say things more than once. So we have said in the context of that liturgy, Wesley's covenant prayer, we're going to say the whole thing in full once more now, and we're going to sing it as our last hymn. So hopefully it will find its way into your heart. Let us pray together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O oh wonderful and holy God, creator, liberator, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. <laughs>